Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, everyone. So we've, Jan just spoke about it now, and as I start off, I just want to quickly, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I felt in preparation for what's coming is Jesus spoke about the, um, the parable of the sower. And this morning, I want to ask you, the, the seed fell in four places. It fell on, on, on hard soil, it fell on rocky soil, it fell on weed-filled soil, and it fell on good soil. Where's your heart and your spirit this morning? Take a moment just to let God come. And if it's on hard soil, let His Spirit, which we, we've experienced His Spirit and worship already, let His Spirit come and just fall on you and soften on your heart. If your heart's at a place where you're feeling rocky, where there's some distractions, Lay them at the feet of the cross. Let him remove those distractions. If there's sin that is distracting you, if there's sin, that's the weeds, if there's sin just right now before God, Lord, just remove that. Forgive me. Let's make our hearts soft for his word this morning. So we've been going through Ephesians, and I had a, a piece of scripture that, that was given to me to preach this morning, which I thought would be pretty easy. Lots of guys have comments on it because it's Hebrews 6. Um, it's the armor of God. Lots of guys write lots of things. Well, actually, the books I read, very few say anything <laughs> in detail around it. So I found some stuff and also obviously read and prayed. Um, but the response just, I'm going to warn you in, in advance. The response I'm feeling this morning is the, the armor of God is about warfare. And where you are taking a beating, where you feel like you're taking a beating and like you're struggling with stuff, this morning, would you right now sit and say, Lord, show me. And as we go through the armor of God, would you think about how you can apply this to that situation? How can you make this applicable in that situation, what we're going to go through this morning? That, that's the response I'm looking for. And I will get to a, a proper response at the end of the sermon. But just as a heads up, that's where we're going. So if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. And if you can give me a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? License. A little bit of license in the reading of this. I'm going to read it and I'm going to add one or two of my, kind of my thoughts in this, just to understand a bit about it. Just It's the way I've seen how Paul would probably have written it. So let's understand the context. Paul has written the rest of Hebrew, uh, sorry, not Hebrews, the rest of um, Ephesians. Um, and it's at a time where it's something called Pax Romana. It's basically the Roman peace. There are, are like Little places where there are little battles going on, but relatively the area is in peace. But Paul himself happens to be in chains, and he happens to be in prison with guards around him. So as I read this, I'm going to read it and, and throw in a few comments about what I think he would have done. Because I think what he did is he would have started, he wrote the, the whole of Ephesians, and then he gets to this point. And he kind of reaches this, uh, he starts this section saying, finally, and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I think as he wrote that, he would have thought about that, maybe looked up and saw this Roman guard standing in front of him, dressed in his armor. And I think there might have been a light switch there. He may, he may have been thinking about this for a while, but I think there was a light switch there that said, okay, we need to stand, uh, put on, uh, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. He's looked up and he's seen us and said, well, hang on, the armor. How does this relate to us as Christians? And he would have started to think about this. And he would have started to explore this. And he goes on, and he says 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Probably thinking back to some of the wars that you've heard about. Remember writing to people who are in the same area, that in Asia Minor, that he's writing to all of the group. Guys who would have seen war. Some of them probably in the Roman army who would have been re- reading this. And he says that we may be able to stand. They understood what it me- meant to stand in a battle context. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, He's just now giving some context and saying, well, actually, it's not about what we see, but about, about he says, you're not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this dark, uh, present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And then he says again, probably looking up again at the, this, uh, this Roman soldier and kind of just hitting him again. Um, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It's second time in a very short space of time he says that. That you may be able to stand, so withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. In, three, in these last few verses, he's used the word or the connotation of being able to stand three times in a very short space of time. I think he's telling us something. And then he goes on to the arm of God. Stand, therefore, he says it again. Having fastened the belt of truth. I think he probably looked up and saw the, the, the Roman guard with his, uh, the belts were made out of leather normally. Um, they had some studs on them, and then they had some pieces of leather that went down from, from the waist. And, and the piece that, that was to basically to kind of protect this part, you know, the important part for some of us, the, um, the, the, yeah, the private parts. <laughs> he, 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 he's looking at that and saying, well, actually, and, and that would have probably been one of the first things they put on was the belt. So you would have looked and kind of thinking around the, the context of how they put stuff on. He said, well, put on the belt of truth. He would have said, seen the belt and thought, well, what is that important for us? And, and he would have put down the word truth together, which I'll touch on later. Um, and then he goes on and he would have, I, I almost picture him out of the, at his, as he's writing that, that down, out of the corner of his eye, glimpsing, catching the, 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 the sandal of the soldier. And he says, um, as, a shoes, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And he would have seen the sandal also made, generally made from leather. If it was cold, I'm not, I can't, I'm not sure if this was winter or summer when he was writing it, but it's, if it was cold, they would have maybe had something on, on in the middle of it, like, almost like a sock just to keep the feet a bit warm. But generally it was a sandal, also leather made, had studs on the bottom to give a little bit of grip. Think about the f- fact of standing and that grip, how it allows them to stand and to hold the ground. Um, stand, therefore, having fastened. Uh, uh, yeah, and then, he, then he goes on. Sorry, I lost my place because I'm adding too much in maybe. Um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Did I miss something? Isn't the breastplate of righteousness first? I missed it. I missed breastplate of righteousness. He would have said that before shoes. He said the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was also um, was a mix of, some guys have said leather, some guys said metal. I think generally probably metal with bits of leather on it. Um, and often having overlaps. And the overlaps allowed for flexibility. Also important for when we get, a little bit, get there a little bit later. So they had this breastplate which would protect the chest area. It also sometimes went over the back, um, obviously protecting the back of them as well. And it would allow them uh, to the flexibility, because they obviously had a sword, to use the sword. If you have too much bulk and armor on, you can't really move. Um, so now I'm gonna, I've already gone through the, the gospel of uh, peace. Then verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Now, the soldier standing in front of him probably didn't have a shield with him at that point, but he would have known that the shield is about two feet by, five, by four feet. Um, feet in, that's what, 60 centimeters by about uh, 120 centimeters. So just over one meter high, 60 centimeters wide. Um, generally made, it was curved. 
which I'll get to a bit later, and it was made with leather, leather on the front, also some nice ornations on the edges, but leather or soft wood was the two things it was made out of. Um, the, not not the, the back was made quite solid, but the front was made from soft wood, and we'll touch on that a bit later. Um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. He says, take up the helmet of salvation, and he would have seen, again, looking at the God in front of him, this helmet that protects the mind, it protects the head. So for our context of spiritual warfare, let's think about the mind. Protects the mind. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The last thing he would have thought about a sword, and I'll touch a bit more on the sword now. I'm not going to give you information about that just yet. And then he goes on, and he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To, keep, to this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, praying for each other. And also for me, that the words may be given me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which, let me turn the page, I am an ambassador in, the, in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So he's written this thing about the armor, about carrying an armor, and he's given some other, other context, which we will touch on a lot of that now. But let's understand what he's written before this. Because he's written this, firstly, he's written it, He's written the armor in the context of everything else he wrote. Now, let's, what did he write before this? Well, uh, he starts Ephesians where he speaks about salvation, justification through, faith, uh, through grace. Sorry, justification by grace, not by works. He then goes on and speaks about, I think it's chapter 2, he speaks about unity. Sorry, it's not chapter 2, it's a bit further. He speaks about unity of the faith or of the saints. He then speaks about walking as Christ did. And then he goes to, to kind of dealing with each other. And he speaks about walking in love. He speaks about husbands and wives, fathers and children. Uh, he uses the words masters and, and servants, or in our context, employers and employees. And in this context of what he said, everything before, he now stands and says, guys, in light of that, finally put on the armor of God. And then he goes on. So he's giving us an indication before he goes to. He gives us an indication of what we are fighting for. Important. Relationships is the big one that he's just written about. Are we fighting for our relationships in God? Are we fighting for our marriages? Are we fighting for our kids? Are we fighting for those in the office or at school who don't know Jesus? Are we standing for that? And one of the keys that he gives at the end of the armor of God, he goes on within the context of the armor and he speaks about prayer. Let's be real. Prayer is, an, is part of our armory. It is a part of it. So I'm going to speak this morning around three kind of, uh, well, two points. No, three points, sorry. The first one is who we're fighting against. The second one is how do we fight. And the third one is our stance in fighting. So he starts off by saying the our fight is not against flesh and blood. He's given us a good context on, on what we on what we are not fighting. Very clear. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other. But he goes on to say that we're fighting against, let's read it. Let's make sure we get those words right because they're important. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the schemes of the devil. Um, uh, sorry. But we, against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Look at all of those words. They all talk about authority. If you look at the original words, they're talking about authority, about strength, about darkness. Darkness is a thing of obscurity, things that are in obscurity. 
prayer meeting this morning was all about light, bringing God's light. That's what we're fighting against. And the only way to fight against where places or fight against the authority of the evil one is what? To bring the authority of God. That's the only way we can fight. It's not our authority. It's not what we think and what we can do. But it's about God's authority. And we need to bring that. So then he goes on and he then says, okay, so how do we fight? And he starts with a belt of truth. So this is my, my next big point is, if I, technology not working, um, is how do we fight? And the first one is he speaks about the belt of truth. So truth means to not conceal or not in obscurity. So think about that direct correlation. He's just told us, the original word for, the, for, in, for what he said above about our fighters against darkness is obscurity. He's now saying the tr- truth means, the belt of truth is not in obscurity. So how do we fight with truth? We, or with, with, how do we, yeah, with truth. We bring things out of darkness and into light. It's an important step for us. We, as a home group, are going through 1 John, and it reminded me very clearly of 1 John 5, verse 7, which says, if you walk in the light um, and you say, you, if, if you walk in the darkness and say you don't have fellowship with God, you lie. That's what the Bible says. If we walk in light, as He is in light, we have fellowship with God and with one another. We should be walking in light. We should be bringing truth. Where things are in darkness and obscure, we should be bringing truth. We should be bringing the light, showing what is real. This also ties back to Ephesians 4, if you look at what it said in 1 John, about unity. When we bring light, it brings unity among the believers. And that's what he spoke about in in Ephesians chapter 4. Matthew 5 verses 14 to 17 also says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So how how do we bring things into light? Our good works before men. Another scripture which gives us very... Important uh, information. If you turn your page over probably one or two pages, you'll get to Philippians 2, verses 14 to 15. And this gives us a really good understanding of how do we bring things into the light. Do all things, verse 14 of chapter 2, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Ouch for me. (laughs) Or grumbling and disputing is what it says. Ah, That's a tough one for me. How often do we find ourselves grumbling about stuff? Oh, I don't have enough money this month. It's a bit tight. Oh, that person at work has something nicer than me. Oh, that person at school has something nicer. We always find something to grumble about. That's one way to make sure things stay in the darkness. Another important part of this walking in the truth and bringing things into light is about being honest about where you're at. If you're at a place where you're struggling with something, remember this armor, spiritual battle. If you're at a place where you're struggling with something, bring it to the light. Speak to someone. And we're going to have a time of ministry at the end, as I said. Think about those things now. If you are struggling with pornography, you know what? Yes, having the conversation say, this is, I'm struggling with this, is not an easy conversation. If you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with um, a relationship that has gone too far, either emotionally or, or physically, it's not easy to stand up and say, hey guys, I'm struggling. But you know what? We need to. Why? Because we need to stand with each other. And I'll touch on that just now with the shield of faith. But we need to be able to stand with each other. 
Yes, I can guarantee that conversation is not going to be easy, but the end result is freedom. We need to be willing to have those tough conversations, be honest with ourselves. Belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Interesting, the word righteous actually is from the original word justification. It has the same word as the word justification. And justification means that we are righteous before God because of what Christ did on the cross. So that's the first step. We need to protect our hearts from a point of understanding and knowing that before God we are righteous. Because what will happen is the enemy will come and he will attack us on that thing. Oh, but you do this. Surely you can't be righteous. You did that. Surely you can't be righteous. Oh, you, you saw at the taxi. You lied about something at work. Surely you can't be righteous. But you know what? The word there is justification. What Christ did on the cross. When we understand that, our hearts are protected because we know that Christ has forgiven us. Yes, it didn't cost us anything, but 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 or 2 Corinthians 6, I can't remember, you were bought at a price, the price of Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He paid the price for us, and we need to, we need to rejoice in that with music as well. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10 speaks about this thing of justification. So again, he's referring back to something he said earlier. And I was saying, guys, armor of God in relation to what I said earlier. The one other thing that's important to know is when we, are, when we understand what Christ paid for us, it becomes a whole lot easier to also live a righteous life. It's not out of law or out of regulation. It's out of desire knowing what Christ paid. That's where it comes from. And so there is the, the outworking of this is also us choosing to live righteously. Your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Romans 14 verse 17. Uh, I remember Ed used to love the scripture. You've quoted it many times. It says, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. You see, Remember, we spoke about authority earlier. The, the fact that our battle is against where God's authority is not. Here, we're speaking about the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of peace. Are we bringing peace into situations? When someone comes up aggressively with us, again, I'm using life, normal situations at work, um, wherever it be, uh, someone cutting us off in traffic. I used that example earlier. Are we coming up, is our response one of aggression? Guys specifically have this issue. I'm a guy. I understand this. We, we specifically struggle. to We get cross a lot quicker. A fuses seem to be a whole lot shorter. But are we responding? Stop laughing at me. Oh. <laughs> are we responding in peace? Are we bringing peace into situations? Because you see, when I read scriptures like Romans 14, when we bring peace, you know what? We bring the kingdom of God. And where the kingdom of God is, no other kingdom can be there. No one else can have rule. Why? Because his kingdom is kingdom of light. And where light is, darkness has to flee. Are we bringing his kingdom by bringing peace? Shield of faith. I really like this one. So as I said, I'm going to give you the, a bit of the context. So it was a, it was a curved shield, as I said. Um, two feet by four feet. And one of the key things, because he goes on to say that, that you may be put, that the shield of faith will put out the fiery darts of the enemy. Understand they used leather and soft wood, because what happens is if an enemy shot an arrow, when it plunged into that, 
the, the flame couldn't, because they would light the arrows and shoot them, the flame wouldn't be able to breathe. So the flame would die. So Paul understood this. And he's saying, guys, your faith will do that. It will absorb the enemy's attacks. It will absorb the flaming fires, the accusations he throws at us. So, uh, uh, Revelation says about the accuser of the brothers. He will accuse us continually, day and night. You know what? When we have shield of faith, he can't actually, his accusations mean nothing. They hit us and they're put out. There's nothing that can catch. And that is, that is fantastic. You're right, Louis. And if, again, Ephesians 2, again, referring back to that, where he says the shield of faith. If we can turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It says that, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith, which is in grace, in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, who has been given to us. And there's a key here. I, I was thinking about this thing about endurance. If I have that shield, okay, it's big enough that even I'm slightly taller than most, I could, pro I could hide behind that. And as the enemy comes and attacks, and think about this in an army context, the enemy comes and attacks, and he keeps attacking, and he keeps attacking. I, me standing up against those attacks because of the faith, remember we're talking about the faith, because of that, I'm able to grow in endurance because I'm continually standing. And how many times? Three times he said, stand, and I'm standing against it, and I'm standing because of what Christ has done in me. But the Romans had a very key, very important thing here. The, the shields were curved for two reasons. One, is it protected from the side? And secondly, what happened is when other guys came around you from your own, your own team, your own army, your shield, if you pulled back, your shield would hit against the front of theirs. And now attack against me is not just my shield on its own. It gets pushed back through the line. Ephesians 5, we've read about it, we covered it a few weeks ago. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Rely on one another. Don't try to take it on your own. Yes, we've got the faith of God. But you know what? When we stand up and we're willing to accept that Christ died on the cross, we need to be open and honest. We need to bring truth and bring light. And in our lives where we're struggling with things, when we bring that to the light, you know what? Others can stand with us. If we choose not to, others are unable to stand with us. It is important that we are willing to have and to be vulnerable with people. Helmet of salvation. Isaiah 12, verse 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Helmet of salvation protects our minds. We need to understand that what this scripture in Isaiah says, behold, God has become our salvation. Are we convinced? The word salvation means convinced. Am I right? Sorry, I'm actually, no, that doesn't. Sorry, that's faith means convinced. Are we convinced? Is our faith convinced that God is our salvation? Because that's what protects our minds. Because we understand one of the biggest ways he will come, 
that the enemy will come and attack us is he will put doubt in us. Think of what he did to Eve. Did God really say that you must not eat of the fruit? That's what he said. Go through all the Bible. That's always the thing. Did he really? Always asking and putting this little bit of doubt. The helmet of salvation. Salvation protects our minds. It allows us to, to when, when those doubts come in, knowing what Christ did to stand. And then the last one, he says, the sword of the Spirit. Interesting here, the sword is the only, of the, of the things that are listed, it's the only offensive weapon. I said earlier about prayer being part of our arsenal, and that is, and that is an offensive weapon. But of the ones he listed, this is the only one that's offensive. It's the only one that we attack with. The Roman sword was two feet long. It wasn't a very big sword. It was a close combat um, kind of weapon. And also, interestingly, they didn't slash like this, like you would expect, like you see in all the movies. They don't, that's not how they did it. They would thrust. So the thrust is the step forward and push directly. That's important because think about what, this, what the Bible says about Scripture. Because this is, says here, yeah, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it says what about Scripture? That Scripture, that, um, no, mind has gone blank. That, that it's able to divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. That is a very clean, very clear cut, a very directed thing. That's what the Romans used to do. And they would practice over and over again to thrust correctly, to be accurate on their aim, to get it right. Because obviously they're going against people who have armory as well, who have something on them. They need to be able to get through that and get around that. So they would practice day and night to be able to get a very direct and very accurate thrust. So my question is how often do we practice the Word of God? Do we practice praying it into and speaking into situations that are difficult? Because if we don't practice, when the time of battle comes, we will not be ready for the battle. When we face difficulty, we will not be ready. And how do we do this? How much scripture do you know of by heart? How much of this can you quote? I know I can't quote enough. Not by a long shot. How, how much do we know? When people come and say, I'm struggling with this, how, how much can we give them in, in terms of scripture? I, I was speaking to our home group the other night and one of the things I said was, we can give great godly advice in the workplace from Scripture. Do you know that Scripture says, my father-in-law told me this, I didn't actually read it until he told me, says that the, the Bible says, be as wise as a, dad, is it fox or serpent? Serpent. Be as wise as a serpent. Sorry, as sly as a, and as gentle as a dove. So it says, yeah, so I had it right. As wise as a serpent, and as, or sly as a serpent, as gentle as a, as a dove. Being sly doesn't sound great. But when you add it to being gentle, it brings a very different perspective. And in work, in the work context, you can use that. If someone's asking for advice, that is a context where you can give advice. Because it's the one's countered with the other. You're not just being sly. You're not just, you're being gentle. So in the way you approach, there's always gentleness in that. And there's lots of examples like that in Scripture where you can use this for great advice outside of this context of church. When people come to you for advice, you can give them scripture. Even if you don't quote the verse in scripture, you can quote what it says, and it's always good advice for them. For them, it's just advice. For us, we know that this is more than just advice. It's truth, and it's reality for us. 
I'm running a bit out of time. So I'm going to, so, so sort of the spirit, practice the sort of spirit. So keep, the, the last point, the last major point, he says, so keep alert. And one of the things that we, we see in Scripture, but we don't often hear about it, I think Lainey spoke about it a while ago, was Watchmen. I think she touched on it. Um, but I've asked Tabs to just share a little bit. She did a bit of research as well, so as a, probably a bit of a recap. Um, stay, keep alert. It's this thing about, are we paying attention to what's happening? So I'm going to give it to Tabs for a few minutes, and then I'm going to come and close. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, so a while ago, God just spoke to me about Watchmen and that role um, within the church. I was very challenged by the fact that God, God knew that people needed someone to be looking out. And in Ezekiel, he speaks to, sorry, I'm going to stand here. Um, in Ezekiel, God shows him a vision. And basically, it's in Ezekiel 33, verse 1 to 10, if you want to go and read it sometime. And he shows him, he says, look, here is a watchman. He's sitting on the wall of the city, and he is watching for enemies. And when the watchman, when something comes against him, he needs to blow his trumpet and warn the people. And basically, then God says to him, if, you, if he warns the people and they do not listen, they are going to die, but it's their fault. But if he warns the people and they listen, then what's going to happen? They're going to be saved. And, and then all, go, all the glory goes to the people there. Um, and then he says, but then if the watchman sees people and doesn't warn them, they're going to die. But whose fault is it? It's the watchman's fault. Which is very challenging, especially if you feel like God's called you to be a watchman. It says that God, basically, God wants to show us when we are sinning. He sees the sin in our lives. He sees the, sees the things that are going to cause death. And then, so therefore, he sends someone to say, hey, there's a problem here. You need to look out for this. God also speaks in Isaiah about watchmen. In Isaiah 52, verse 8, I am going to read it. It says, the voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice together. They sing for joy. Eye to eye, they, receive, they see the return of the Lord to Zion. And that basically speaks of unity and vision. God doesn't show, you, your watchmen aren't standing around each seeing something different. God shows them the same thing. They will see his glory at the same time, his purposes at the same time, and then they will declare it in one voice. There is victory in that because it's declared in one voice. He then also says in Isaiah 62, verse 67, and this was quite eye-opening for me. First of all, in verse 6, it says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All day and all night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance shall take no rest. That is huge. That means it never stops. You never stop. And why do you never stop watching? Because what Heath just said and what the Bible says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the, the, the schemes of the devil. And he doesn't give up. So we can't give up. We can't stop. We can't stop watching and saying, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Day and night. Then verse 7 says, And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise to the earth. Do you know that that he is referring to God? It says, give God no rest. How do we give God no rest? We pray continually. We don't stop praying. And that's powerful because if that is, that is part of our arsenal, as Heath was saying, that prayer, that consistent prayer, that's what protects us. That's what guides us. That's what moves us on. In Jeremiah 6 verse 17, God also tells Israel that he set a watchman over them. And then it says that he's blown the trumpet over and over and they've chosen not to listen. When we choose not to listen, we are taking our lives in our own hands and we're saying, God, I don't care what sin you see in my life. I'm just going to keep going. And God is constantly blowing trumpets and saying, come go this way 
or move this way, or there's something coming this way. Are we listening to that? And this morning as part of the ministry, when you come up, I do believe that there are people here this morning who have been called to be watchmen, and maybe you're not. Maybe you know God is showing you things, and you keep very quiet. Maybe it's time you need to start speaking up. And there's safety and security by being in community like this. You don't just have to come and shout it from the pulpit. There are leaders and elders to speak what you are feeling. And they will say, okay, God, is this what you're saying? It's not something you have to rely on on yourself. Then the other group of people, I feel like there are people who God has told you something, whether it's through a watchman or directly, and you're choosing not to do it. He's blown the trumpets in your life, and you're choosing not to do it. So this morning, when, when ministry starts, please consider those two areas as well. We'd love to pray with you on those. Not everyone's called to be a watchman, but there are characteristics in watchmen that we should all have. Bible says, watch and pray. Revelation, over and over again, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. In closing, I want to read a, read a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, the neglected heart will soon be a heart overrun with worldly thoughts. The neglected life will soon become a moral chaos. The church that is not jealously protected by mighty intercession and sacrificial labors will before long become the abode of every evil bird and the hiding place of unscrupulous corruption. The creeping wilderness will soon take over the church that trusts in its own strength and forgets to watch and pray. Keep alert. Keep alert. So this morning, as we spoke through these things, I, I kind of have a few areas where I feel you might, might fit in if you want to respond. So I'm going to first of all ask the, the ministry team to come up. The guys are going to play for a bit. And I'm going to ask you, if you fall in one of these following areas, to come up and let someone stand with you. The one is, as Tabs mentioned, maybe, maybe God's called you to be a watchman. And you've neglected that. And you know it for sure. Let someone pray with you to re-spark that in you. Maybe this morning God has spoken to you clearly in the past and you've ignored what He said. Come forward. Let someone pray with you. Let us walk that with you. Maybe this morning as I spoke and when I started off, I said identify where you're struggling in battle, where you feel like the enemy is attacking you over and over and over again. And if you have something in your life where you feel like that, please come forward. Be vulnerable with the guys in front. Let them pray with you. Let them stand with you. Remember, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit so that someone can walk that, so our faith can be joined together and united in standing against the evil one. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you alone are the one who saves. That where your truth comes, darkness flees. Where light comes, darkness flees. And God, I pray this morning that as you come, you would, you would just guide each one of us, Lord. Reveal things to us, Lord. 
reveal things to us. If you want to come up now, you can start coming up to the front. Lord, I pray you'd reveal things to us that are hindrances. Reveal things to us that are, are blockers. Lord, where things that we may have overlooked and we thought, oh, this is just a physical struggle, but actually there's a spiritual battle behind it. I pray that you'd show us that, that we can stand with others.